everybody. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life, because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. That's true. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, the premier free writing magazine on the internet, featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. You can find Author Magazine at authormagazine.org, and we are funded by the good people at the Pacific Northwest Writers Association, supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. You can learn more about the PNWA if you go to pnwa.org. Uh, I will be teaching a class this week, uh, this, starting this Saturday, a fearless writing intensive, and uh, I'd love to see you there. It's going to be online. And it's going to be a four-week class where we just dive into the psychology of writing, the challenges of writing. And, uh, well, I'd love to see you there. So if you're interested, go to my website, williamkenauer.com, and you can sign up. So today's guest, Layla Josephine. Ooh, Scottish slam poet, performance artist, actress, theater. Oh, really cool person. We had a great conversation about poetry, about performance, about the emotional challenges of writing about feelings, about a lot of stuff. She's a really cool woman, and uh, it was a really cool conversation. And uh, Layla Josephine, well, she's an artist originally from Glasgow, and uh, she's a performance poet, theater maker, screenwriter, facilitator, and project leader. She won the 2014 UK National Poetry Slam at the Royal Albert Hall with Hammer and Tongue. In 2019, she performed for the First Minister of Scotland and supported John Cooper Clark on his Scottish tour. She has been featured on BBC Radio 4, BBC The Social, The Guardian Online, BuzzFeed, Huffington Post, Upworthy, The National, and The Scotsman, and the anthology Choice Words, Writers on Abortions, alongside the likes of Margaret Atwood, Audre Lorde, and Gloria Steinem. The Scottish Poetry Library named her poem Good With Our Hands in the Best Scottish Poems of 2020. Her solo shows hopeless and daddy drag have taken the uk by storm with sold out shows across the country hopeless was a runner-up for saboteur's best spoken word show of 2018 and daddy drag won the autopsy award 2019 and uh, she also has a short film out groom which was nominated for a scottish bafta in 2022 and well like i said great conversation interesting stuff and i'm glad i get to share it with you enjoy All right, we've got Layla Josephine on the show. Layla, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Today is like the first day back of work for everyone after the holidays, so. Oh, even a poet? <laughs> even well, I worked, I kind of worked the whole way through the holiday because in Scotland, your tax return has to be in in January, so Ooh. it's like no rest for, for the poets. Um, but everyone's been back at work today, so I feel like I've I, I've been joined by more people, which has been lovely. Oh, nice. Now, do you have a day job, a non-poetic day job? Mm, no, I'm a writer full-time, but uh, I, I write in lots of different ways. So I write for theatre, I write for film, and I write for poems, and I also teach as well. And so, yeah, so for our, for our listeners who might not be familiar, Layla uh, is multidiscipline, um, but it sounds like your... Poetry is sort of the root from which all the other branches grow. Is that is that a fair description? Yeah, I would say so. I, I think, you know, I, I come from a theatre background. I started in theatre, but most of my work since um, 
graduating university has been poetry, which is oh you know, okay world to find myself in. Um, but when I write with film or with theatre, it doesn't necessarily have. I mean, the question is, what is poetry? Can all art form be poetry? Potentially. Uh, but so I, I try and think about story or message or what I want to say or what images I want to paint and then think about what framing and form suits that story or that message better. So I kind of love poetry because it feels like a very distilled version of art. Like it's very, you need to really concentrate on the 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 root and the core of what you're trying to say um, but actually I think that that makes me a good artist in all art forms because when you practice poetry and you practice that art of editing um, actually it's you know you can move into different art forms quite easily um, and I think if you have a creative mind and if you love to tell stories that you shouldn't limit yourself to one category of work. That's interesting so you start with just so you start with the essence of the thing you want to explore maybe it's an idea maybe it's a feeling maybe it's something even more amorphous than that. And then you say, what does it want to be? Yeah. Is this a play? Is this a novel? You haven't dabbled in that. It doesn't sound like, is it a poem, but you, or is it a film? So you just let it decide the form it should take. Yeah. hundred percent. Unless it's a commission. And then. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah. that's true. Even if you like, even if you said, I'm just going to write poetry, the poem has to tell you what form it's going to, I mean, because your form, yeah. your poems have different forms, right? So you got to decide then too. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's what poems are really good practice for is, you know, figuring out what you want it to, what the containment is, also the content, but also the containment. And that was something when I was approaching um, writing in public and private, I, that was my first collection that I've just released is that I really had to approach it in a different way because the page was instantly a new framing that I had never worked within. So because I come from a performance background, right. even though it would be on the paper, on the page, I wouldn't be um, exporting that to people on, in that form until now. So when I reached that stage of like wanting to put it on the page, I really had to think about, okay, well, what, what does the page do for a framing? What is the journey? Because actually you have very little control when you're writing something that goes out into the world because you don't know where people are going to be reading it. When you go to a cinema or, you know, you at least buy into that thing. Or if you um, go to the theater, everyone in that room is buying into that moment. Whereas with a book or maybe if you're streaming TV or something like that, you don't know what's happening in that person's life when they're interacting with your art. They could have screaming kids. They could have had a really bad day at work or maybe it's a Sunday and it's the perfect time for them to interact with your work. <laughs> you know, it's, it, you just have to lose control in a way. And that, and that made me really think about, you know, how do you approach the page and how do you allow it to live out with you? And I think that that was the thing that was really exciting but also terrifying for me you see listen to that listeners a lot of them are writers first last and always and they've only ever had so they've never been able to most of them have not approached the page with the sort of i want to say in the best sense of the word childlike newness the way a kid looks at their body for the first time you looking at this page for the first time in relation to your art and seeing both the limitations and perhaps also the some freedom of it i would think yeah, for sure. I I really love uh, Max Porter's work. 
um, who wrote uh, Grief is the Thing with Feathers and also Lamy or Lanny, I can't remember. But what he does within his books is that he has like loads of different voices telling the stories, but those different voices, uh, the text looks different as well and it comes right. in a different form. Yeah. Um, he has this, you know, this kind of narrator in Lanny that is a tree and the tree writes and these kind of like... Um, almost like uh, I, I don't know what you would call it the the and I don't know how to explain it because obviously they were not going to be able to see what I'm doing right <laughs> her hand and is waving like a wave across the screen like, yeah yeah like or like and the words are actually in um kind of like cycles or circles or patterns and right right actually you're asking the reader to be active in a way that potentially they wouldn't be reading like a straight right. novel um which I think is uh, it's interesting for writers to not just be thinking about the words but actually the look and how the brain works when it's um taking in words like milkman by anna burns which won the man booker prize i don't know 2019-18 which is set in northern ireland and it has like absolutely no punctuation it, oh it, my god <laughs> it's, really, it's not as hard as it sounds but it, okay. it, it gives this kind of feeling of um suspense and also of um intimacy like a train of thought and and you know that's why I, that's why in every poem that I tried to approach in the collection I was like okay what is the feeling I want to conjure up in this poem and how can the framing of it support that you know and I think that that's yeah. what all poets are doing right punctuation and the way things looks helps the the reader with that journey. absolutely it's one of your tools and so all right so you said you started come from a theater background yeah. and so talk to me about them and but you eventually got into performing poetry uh what we what is traditionally called slam poetry i don't know if that term is still being bandied around but in other words it's performative spoken word art um Talk to me about that transition. Were you a fan of that work to begin with? Um, did somebody just take you out one night and say, listen to this? He said, I could do that. How did that happen? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I'd never heard of slam poetry. Um, I think it was quite an American thing when I first mm -hmm. started writing. So I think I wrote my first poem in like maybe 2013 when I was still at uni doing theatre and we were, at, we were asked to kind of write our own stuff. And my dad had just passed very suddenly mm. and I find myself writing in, in order to like kind of process what was going on um, and then this um, friend that I had was running an open mic at this um, bar in Glasgow called In Deep and he'd been trying to get it off the ground as a like a, a like a guitar like an acoustic open mic but it, it actually fallen on its arse completely and <laughs> sorry that was a really scottish phrase it had taken off so he decided that he was going to do like a poetry night and um wait wait said, so a guy someone playing a guitar and singing that didn't work i know what i'll do i'm gonna go more mainstream and i'll do poetry but, which is crazy because actually it completely took off and it's been running for uh, 10 years oh my god all right yeah, so I think maybe there had just been too many guitar nights and also he was terrible at music and he was oh. way better at poetry. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so I was like, oh, I don't know what I, if what I'm writing is po poetry. And it was, I mean, it was, I mean, when I first started writing, I thought I was brilliant, but obviously it was complete shit. Was um, it? Was it? But it really was like, it, okay. like writing couplets the whole time. Like, you know, okay. I was on YouTube.com, like trying to, <laughs> I, really, I really was into um, 
yeah I was into some really bad bad stuff but it had a lot of heart and it had a lot of like power and it it was I was definitely speaking from a really vulnerable raw angry place yeah and I think that that's the beauty with slam and it's the beauty with open mics as well is that even if the poem isn't the best poem that you've ever read there's something about watching someone shake on stage because what they're saying is falling out their mouth because they need to say it like right right now like there's something about that that's just like incredible and I still love going to open mics because I love that risk that's happening in that room in that moment um but you know as my kind of practice went on like I like I was very much in the slam world like I won the UK national slam in 2014 and that kind of wow in one year one year Wow. I was wow. telling a lot of secrets for sure. I think people love that. <laughs> um, but but then um but you know it gets to a point. I think the thing the beautiful thing about writing is that the more you learn, the more you realize you've got to learn. So yeah. like when you yeah. started, I thought, you know, I thought I was at my peak, but actually when you start to learn that there's so much more craft and there's so much more that goes into these things, you realize how much further you've got to go. And I think that that's the annoying thing about writing is that the goalposts always change. You always want to do better. You always read stuff that inspires you more. And I think when I got to, when I had probably been in the game for like six or seven years, you know, I was like reading much more. And then I was starting to see that actually I didn't have a clue what I was doing. And actually, you know, or what I was doing was something that, you, you know, didn't have much craft and I've really enjoyed over the last couple of years learning more and more about the craft I mean I've still got so much further to go but I just like really fell in love with reading poetry and I think I needed to get older for that I think it takes a certain patience to read poetry that maybe I didn't have when I was younger Um, and that was yeah so that kind of happened over the last kind of four years I'd say I've been getting more into and doing more classes and learning from I've had a really amazing mentor uh, Kim Adonisio um, and she was really good at reining me in and telling me how much more work I had to do well it, let me I, I if if someone hasn't told you it will never end <laughs> I got a few years on you and uh it just doesn't end but that's okay what happens is you learn something and it's great and you got it and then you're like oh I, I think that you I think I could be wrong but that you're your ability, your your understanding of the craft evolves as your desire to express evolves. Like you can't do what you wanted to do with what the tools you had. You it forces you to expand your ideas of what a sentence is, or what a stanza is, what a poem is to meet your needs. Does that make sense? hundred yeah, percent. Like yeah. sometimes you read a poem and it will affect me so deeply, and I'll be like, I don't understand what they are doing. And how they do it. <laughs> how did he do it and like in my head I'm like it must be a mystery it must be a spell there's no way that this could be logically worked out how to do it and I think there is an element of mystery that comes oh for sure a spirit in a way um but like I'm sure you know I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are doing a lot of work on their craft you know oh it's fun you know it's your it's your tools you want to learn how to use them um I think that we don't want to be what can happen with writers is then get enamored with their showing off essentially saying look I, it's like a skater doing a triple axel and i do think that that and because one writer to another can admire like wow look at they pulled that sentence off and that's different than 
it being a inspired choice to convey the only way to convey something as opposed to just look i can do a thing not to to not to knock the the book you were talking about look i can write a paragraph without punctuation look at that you know like or does that serve a purpose does that make sense yeah it's like another tool for the toolbox i think the the other thing the angle that i was kind of coming or the the perspective that i came at it as well is that you know i'm a dyslexic writer like i never felt like it was for me like really like you are like diagnosed dyslexic yeah okay like you know i didn't find out until i was 22 which i think is a hard time to realize because you know i went through the school system feeling really stupid my whole of course my whole and i think i was just at that age where it wasn't quite being taken seriously yet or not in high school anyway so you know there's a lot of there's a lot of gatekeeping there's a lot of um snobbiness i think in the poetry world um and and that is because people want to protect the craft and i understand that and people want to protect you know this really old art form that is you know one of the oldest in the entire world and that's really important but there that it can um it can devalue every other type of writing if that makes sense like there has to be a way where uh, you can I suppose what I'm trying to say is that I always felt like the page wasn't for me. I never felt like I was allowed to right. use that space. Right. And actually, it took me a lot of hurdles to realize that what I'm bringing is slightly different. And yeah. that's not to say that I'm not crafting. It's just to say that my angle is different. You know, I come at a lot of poems through performance. So even yeah. though it's on the page, I'll spend a long time saying them out loud to figure out where to go right. with it figure out yeah. where the breath is to figure out where the new stanza is going because of the way that I feel it in my body yep. um, and that is maybe not necessarily the like academic way to go but it's still like a valuable way of uh, it's a valuable practice it, I think totally totally and one of the things I was really interested in because you know I went from poetry to theater to mm. then to prose eventually but because I had some poetry readings and they led to some theater but I would write them just as I would write them, but then I loved performing them because I had a performative nature, but they were written first. And then I would find that I would treat them as like they were songs, essentially, that I would write and then I would perform. But the thing about performing a poem is you get to use your voice and you get to pause and you get to gesture and you get to tremble and you get to hold back a tear and all the physical stuff that, like you said, it can be not that quote great a poem, but when the embodiment of the like I remember reading Angela um, oh the poem that she read for Bill Clinton's um, Maya Angelou's poem that she read for Bill Clinton's inauguration years ago. I don't think you were even born, but I was like, oh, this is the greatest poem. And then I read it, I was like, eh, because she wasn't. I mean, it was still okay, but she wasn't reading it. And and Maya Angelou was one of the best poetry reading readers I'd ever heard. So my question is like, you got to deal with that. When you sit down to the page, you aren't going to be there reading it to the reader. Mm. You're not there. And you don't get all that you like, all that these tools that you have built up also, that is your body and your voice and your face and your eye and all that stuff. Right. What do you think about that? Does it bug you? Are you okay with it? hundred percent. I'm a complete control freak. So I absolutely (laughs) hate giving any power away. Um, 
but that was something else like thematically I was like really interested in is you know how do you connect to a reader if you're not in it that's right because obviously the reader is interacting with you but you are kind of taken out of that interaction and that's That's what one of my poems that I've written called out of reach I I wrote it because I was interested in whether I could feel the reader reading my my work like is it like they're holding my hand like I want to know that can a poem travel through time and space in order to touch like can that connection still happen even though I'm not actually participating in it in that moment and and I mean I the answer is probably no but what an amazing stoner thought that (laughs) when when you look at a you know when you look at a painting when you look at a Monet are you are you with them in that moment of when they're you know painting it I I don't know like I think I think one of the right things I think about the reading is one of the most beautifully and sort of mysteriously in connective experiences between two people because it's reading is so intimate it's so intimate and it is a collaboration between the author and the reader that neither is aware of but you're both present for it's kind of amazing in that way you know yeah um, and also the idea that you it doesn't exist without the reader no no it's no no about the no. reader look it just it sits on a shelf like does it is it still an art piece if it's not got an audience it's well also what's tricky the difference between a poem and a spoken poem is that really a published piece is almost like a child that it's like i raised you and i love you but now <laughs> you're gonna go out and make your own friends lead your own life and it's like really got nothing to do with me anymore oh. because the reader's experience is so much their own they they don't understand how much they own that thing, you yeah. know. And I think I think yeah I think the thing with me is a lot of a lot of the people that read my book have seen me live. So ah, you know, right, I do like a lot of gigs where I sell a lot of like where I sell most of my books. Like people have seen me on the circuit for years now. Right, and, you know when I did my tour, like I did fifteen dates from October to no uh, to December last year. Wow, yeah, it was like crazy. a rock star, baby. It was really like rock. Sorry, like yeah. the the place that I did my book launch in Glasgow is this um, it's this like iconic music venue called King Tuts, and it was like on a Saturday night. It had a real feeling of like wow, it wow. was incredible. But I I suppose I'm only mentioning that because a lot of people that read the work go, oh well, I can hear you reading. Yeah, it. yeah, I sure. Well, I can read it myself. Yeah. So then there's another another context as well. It is if the person knows the poet, has heard the poems in real life. Yeah. Or if they're just receiving it as a present and ha- have no idea about. And I think the thing is with my work is I'm so in the work anyway. Like it's not about what I like. I it's not like a a, a piece about something that I've not witnessed. Like I'm always in the poem in some way. Like I write sure. very autobiographically. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of. Uh, women do um and and actually i'm i was really interested in whether i suppose the idea of in public and private is am i known through those those pieces like or are they always going to be so edited that they'll never be i'll never be known through them here i have an answer i have an answer for you ready (laughs) this is my theory because i write i don't write poetry about myself but i write personal narrative so every story has me in it although it's not me but it is sort of me right and i have come to the conclusion what's that 
You've got a different hat on or a fake mustache or... It, well, I think of it like he's like a fictional character. He's not. I mean, he's doing everything I did. But if I think of him as I'm me, I am me. And that's something else, right? Okay. But having done this a while and talked to people about it, I'm convinced that every reader is reading about themselves. They're <gasps> always reading about themselves. And they, and they want to learn about themselves through you, through the thing you're giving them. They're connecting it to themselves. That's what they're reading about. It's not you. They, they actually don't care about you not in the way your well, mom does or your no. best friends do right yeah. does that make sense what do you think it does and actually how freeing that is isn't it it's not so about you it's not because <laughs> here's the thing when i give like talks i'll give like a keynote type thing and i'll tell stories bill did this bill did that blah 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 and then people go thank you that was great and then the next thing they do tell me stories about themselves because oh, my stories yeah. about them and that's when i realized no that's all about them it's okay it should be about them it's yeah, for course. them right yeah definitely and i think that that's what, what that really annoys me when people say and i think i don't know this is something i get quite a lot is like oh it must be so cathartic for you it must be like <laughs> therapy for you and it makes me want to fucking wring someone's neck <laughs> why is that well, just because it's like, it's not therapy, it's fucking art. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is something, is there something, is there something therapeutic about putting an experience into perspective? It's true. It's not therapy. You don't want, no one would want to read a poem that is therapy. It would be so boring. It's art. But do you experience any sense of release of something if you frame the story in a way? Does that ever happen? I actually do, but I also think that writing, and this is something another poet told me, a very famous UK poet called John Cooper Clark, and I've actually got a poem about John in my book. I was on tour with him, and he was one of the original like punk poets. Okay. He told me over a cigarette, we were like <laughs> chatting, and he was talking about how writing simplifies things in a way that actually is untrue to life and actually I don't know if that is good for you I think yeah of course it's good for <laughs> us to try and simplify our you know or trying to work through our, our our life or our experiences or our trauma or our relationships but then does my my breakup become the poem like the poem now is the documentation of the breakup but the poem never actually can completely document what that breakup felt like no. And I think that that's where the mystery comes in with a poem is yeah. that you have to conjure up a feeling. It's like, cause actually I can't go into the ins and outs on, you know, maybe with a film, maybe documentary is the only thing that is as close to being able to archive our experiences. But I do sometimes one worry is that if we try and cram our life experiences into these tiny little, well, you're never going to it's no never going to happen I teach memoir and I'm like first of all get over the fact of the truth you can't the truth is every single thing that's ever happened that's the truth you can't do it <laughs> I, but you know but you, I, you keep coming back to something and I'm so glad you do is you talk about feeling and I have I am I will go to the mat on this that the only thing that unites every human being that has ever lived is that the only thing we care about is how we feel we always want to feel good we never want to feel bad we do feel bad but we're never glad we feel bad we always want to feel good. It's a, how we feel is so important to us. It's the guiding I, principle. It's everything. It's the whole I, game. 
I totally disagree with you on that. What? What? I think okay. if people only wanted to feel good, if people only wanted to feel good, we would have such a different landscape of art. People love feeling miserable. People love delving into those worlds of like depth to try and understand. Oh, I'm not saying you, you don't have to do that. I The best piece of art I ever wrote was about me being brokenhearted because at that moment, I never felt so alive. I never yeah. at that moment, but I don't want to live there. No, I don't want to live, live there. I, but you want to experience it. Like, oh yeah, you gotta, you gotta. I mean, music never sounds as good as when you're having a breakup. Like, <laughs> like, it, it, something just changes. Like there's a just a different tell. You're open. You're cracked open. You're just you're you're feeling vulnerable in a way. I think it's at, at that moment when some when you're. You're feeling I, I agree that there's something that let you let something in maybe on a level. Yeah, and I think and I think you are right. Like we don't want to live in those and I think you're right, we only care about what we feel like. I think you're totally right on that. But I I I, I love misery in my Oh hey my You gotta have it. And I love nothing more than writing when I've been miserable because that's where the juice, you know, the gold is always on the other side. I think it's on the other side of the misery, but you've got to go through it to have it. It's always the, here, here's an example. Like in other words, I breathe every moment of every day, but I never appreciate breathing so much as when I've just held my breath for 15 seconds. That first breath, that's what I think writing is. Appreciate something like breathing, which you're always doing anyway, but it's the held clench of suffering, of fear, of doubt. And then the release that gives it value, gives the breathing value. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. And that's the light at the end of the tunnel, right? Oh, yes, of course. Of course. Listen, uh, you're delightful. I'm so glad we got to have this conversation. The book is in 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 public and private. In, I got in it. public and private, yeah. Yes. And by the way, when I read the poetry, I, I just got the thing and just started reading. I didn't actually do any research on you because that's how I operate. I did that afterwards. So I didn't know. I suspected you were a slam poet, but I didn't know it. So I was yeah. just reading it as the poetry and I was enjoying it on that level. So it can happen. Layla, I didn't know your voice. I didn't know anything. I just, just had the words on the page as they will be memorialized for centuries to come in right. read in universities <laughs> and in poetry. So uh, if people are interested, I mean, look, you're UK based, but soon the world tour will begin, I'm sure. But oh, if I people, hope so. yeah, why not? So, but if people in the US want to appreciate, experience you, can you do you have like a YouTube page or anything that you do your um, stuff on? I don't, I don't tend to do too much online because I, my old stuff still exists there. And, and that's the thing about the internet is it just is so permanent. I, hate I know, it. I know it's I irritating. I wrote in 2014 up there and I'm like, I'm so much better now. Yeah, I know. But yeah, like if you, if you're looking for the book in particular, um, if you contact me through my website, I can send you one, especially if you're international, we can figure something out. Um, But in terms through the publisher as well, Burning Eyed Books is a way to um, access the book. And also, yeah, I'm on all socials and I try, I try and not be on them as much as that I am. Good for you. Good for you. Go against, go against your generation and just <laughs> be in the real. Okay. But listen, I got one more question for you. Great. Uh, Leila, before I let you go. Uh, so I want you to think about all the writing you've done in your life. All of it. Going back to all the way to 2013. I think about all the writing you've ever done. And if it's taught you anything, it's taught you what? That's a really hard question. What has it taught me? It's taught me 
it's taught me about connection I think nice. I think it's taught me that I'm not alone in those deep feelings that we all have them and and that is that's the only reason for doing it really is that we are able to sit in those moments together and hopefully dilute the shame surrounding those hard things in life but also that we can also celebrate the joy in them together as well so I think connection writing has brought me connection more than anything I like that answer I like it Layla thank you so much this has been a lot of fun that was really fun thank you so much Yeah. Strange, but it does teach us connection. I think she's right. Even though you do it alone and you're at the desk all by yourself in the page, but there is a kind of connection that happens. It's a beautiful answer. Listen, I want to thank all of you for uh, tuning in. I want to thank my producer, RJ Jeffries. Let's keep doing this. Let's keep doing it. It's good stuff. Keep having these conversations. I'll be back again next week. Until then, all of you, Go find something you love to do and do it. Mm -hmm.